What up, y'all? It is your boy Jesse, aka Jesse Prada, coming at you with the Christ Convo Podcast, inspiring you to live the best way you can for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen, I hope this blesses you. Without further ado, let's get into it. I am a preacher, I am a writer. And um, a storyteller and a healer and many things. <laughs> but um, as it relates to our gathering today, I um, formerly served as a youth pastor um, at a local congregation in Newark, New Jersey. And um, I'm just so grateful to be here as we dialogue about young people and the church. And I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Okay. I'll go next. My name is Afia Crandon and I'm as well, I'm a many things as well too. And so I've been teaching at the Common Avenue Baptist Church for about, it's been about 10 years. I can't believe it. And so it's for the senior, senior kids. And it's, they're about 15 to, I would say 15 to 18. That's the group I teach. Very, very, very intelligent group. And so I love to teach the word of God. And I am, how can I say, every day, like God's word is always fresh and anew in my life. And I love to teach it and share it with the youth. Uh, Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. Kelly Farrell. Um, I serve in a couple of capacities myself, um, but like Portia in regard to this conversation. So I also served in youth ministry at the Common Avenue Baptist Church uh, for about 15 years um, and still have great relationships and love serving young people. And in other areas of my life, I serve as an educator in higher education. Um, I serve as one who mentors women of color in ministry. Um, and that is an awesome project. And so they're just, you know, there's wherever there's opportunities to serve. Um, that's probably where you'll find me in any number of capacities, but certainly I still have a great desire and heart for young people. Mm-hmm. Amen. That is what's up. So, y'all, I'm pretty sure that y'all could tell by the title that we're going to just basically talk about, you know, young people um, reaching young people effectively in the church, ministering to young people effectively in the church. Um, You know, I just wanted to say, um, you know, all three of these women of God are wonderful women. Um, You know, Afia was my teacher. um, And when I tell you this woman is a sniper (laughs) with the text, with the word of God, I mean, for real, for real, she teach that text like crazy, like a samurai, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, Reverend Kelly, the the doctor, you know, educated folk, um, you know, she was always, she always kept it a band, you know, it was always, um, always very transparent and open to speaking, um, was always real. And I truly respected that. And, uh, you know, I actually just spoke, uh, to Reverend Portia on the phone. So I haven't really known, uh, you that long, but I could just tell that you're truly on fire for God and that you love the Lord. And I know that so many people are blessed, uh, by your ministry. So I just want to thank each and every one of you for being on here with me. Um, really honored. So um, let's get into these questions. I got some questions for y'all. Um, so the first one, I guess, isn't a question, but like, what is your, what is like your uh, background or your uh, journey with God in regards to ministry? You know, where did you guys first meet the Lord and know that that was one of your assignments in life? Okay. Portia, do you want to go? You want to just keep it the same order? Um, sure, we can. Okay. 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 
So, um, in the interest of time, because I'm sure we all could be here all day um, <laughs> talking about um, our journeys and coming um, to know God. And so I would say that um, my relationship with God first started, um, that I've known about it, I should say, was when I was about seven, when I realized I wanted to be baptized. Um, I always tell people, I don't really know a time that I don't think that I did not know who God was. Um, I just feel like I was one of those kids that just kind of came out the womb knowing God, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, God's always been there. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, when did you meet God? It's like, uh, God's always been here, right? Um, so yeah, when I was about seven years old, I knew that I wanted to be baptized. I knew that I wanted to uh, be a member at my home church, Mount Airy Baptist Church of Bridgeport, Connecticut. And I was just moved um, by worship and I wanted to be a part of church. And um, when I was about 11, I was at a gospel concert with my sister and um, at her college, and I felt the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time moving in my life. You know, it's one thing to know that something exists, and then it's another to experience it for yourself. My God. Um, and so that was my first experience, and it wasn't at a church, right? We were at a gospel concert at a co- on a college campus, and I was able to feel the power of the Holy Spirit without being in necessarily the edifice of a church. Um, and then when I was 15, I got my call to ministry uh, being uh, singing in a youth choir at the time. I felt God calling me and I didn't quite understand <laughs> what was happening. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait, like what? Um, and this man, uh, he was a prophet. He came and he literally slapped me on the stomach. And I was Ooh. like, yeah, I kid you not. He slapped me on the stomach. And out I, of your belly. Out of my belly. And I tell you, I went down, okay? <laughs> This went down. I was just gone, okay? And I remember when I came up, and this was not at my home church, by the way. Uh, I was at a Pentecostal church. And my home church is Baptist. So I'm going to be very clear, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I came up, and I was like, and I was speaking in tongues. And I was, you know, I was here, and I was looking at my other choir members and I was looking at them and then I could just like and I was just speaking and I could just it was just speaking and speaking and speaking and some of the other kids were scared because mm. they were just like what the heck is going on mm-hmm. because at the Baptist church we didn't do that yeah, right. <laughs> you know <laughs> and so but it didn't matter because I knew what I was experiencing I knew what I was feeling and so I was kind of going through youth ministry and church kind of feeling a little isolated Mm. um, at the church that I was uh, at. And, and I didn't really feel connected um, with what was happening. And then we started having more conversations about the spirit and we started having more conversations about the ancestors. And we started having more conversations about the supernatural realms. And that really made me feel like I was seen and there was a space for me um, within ministry. And so that's a little, as I said, like a little bit. So it happened at 7, 11, and 15. Um, and then I've been saying yes to God ever since. Mm, that's fine. Amen. Wow. <laughs> that's such an interesting that's, story. That's, <laughs> that's amazing, Portia. But I, I can attest to Portia's um, giftedness and, and fire in her life. So I've known Portia uh, maybe about three years now um, mm-hmm. and met through a mutual friend that we have, um, Gabby. And so Portia is one of those that that she she and she and Jesus is cool they they have a relationship huh. and i appreciate that um 
And she forgot to add that if you ask her to pray, she'll make sure that heaven opens up and hear everything that she's requested <laughs> for prayer for. So do not play with Portia when it comes to praying. Don't don't ask her to pray for nothing unless you really, really want it to happen. Because other than that, yeah, it it will certainly she happen. Gets, so I she get a she gets a response, and that's good to know that because in relationship, um, people think it's about membership to churches, but it's about mm. relationship. Um, with Christ I'd rather have power with God than power with people right and so that really matters so I appreciate that um my journey actually as listening to Porsches um was is a little similar I I don't know a point where I didn't know God um my grandmother taught me how to pray at five and she was always my father's mother and she was always um praying and you know that back then the saints of old would get on their knees on their bedside and pray um, and I would ask her, you know, cause she was just having like casual conversation like this. And I was like, well, what are you doing? And she was like, I'm praying. And I was like, what are y'all talking about? And she was like, well, get down here and ask God for yourself. Um, and so I would join her in prayer on the bedside. And from that moment on, um, and so my earliest recollection of even having conversation with God was at five. And that was long before I joined convent. I think I probably joined convent at like seven or eight. Um, or something like that. And and so Convent has been my home church, you know, as far, actually Convent is my great grandmother's church. Um, so my family has been there a long time. And, um, and so at five years old, I learned how to pray and, and have relationship and conversation with God, which kind of cemented um, my journey into salvation um, because I knew God was real before I was actually saved. And, and that is a powerful moment within itself because some people say that relationship mm-hmm. comes after you get the Holy ghost after, but there's a lot of instances in scripture where um, people come to know God in Christ first before they actually give their lives or make commitment. So I like for the non-traditionalism of my particular story to be a part of that. Um, and so I'm Amen. journeying on and then, you know, get high school and you, you know, you think you're too cool to go to church. So you just stop going. Um, and then, right. you know, I came probably came back or came back to church um, instrumentally through our minister music, Gregory Hopkins, him and my, my grip, my mother's mother got into, you know, a kind of cahoots to get me to come back in church and join the choir. Um, and so I joined this first ensemble and I was, probably in the ensemble for about 25 years. And so in that time frame, I received my call to ministry within the ensemble. Um, and I probably was somewhere in my mid twenties um, when I received my call to ministry. So maybe like 25 um, and went to seminary and, and did all this um, deep amount of education. Like I've been in school forever and, um, and was licensed at 33 and had been serving in that capacity ever since. But I had served in, you know, lay positions before and lay position being non-ministerial, you know, Sunday school or Sunday school superintendent or youth leader um, for a number of years. And, and so all of those transitions um, brought me closer and closer in relationship with God. I think the most impactful um, transition was when I became a youth leader and the vulnerability and the, and the openness required of young people um, for mm. you to um, expose your life and, and be who you are yeah. and, and, and how that kind of friendship relationship evangelism works opposed to, you know, beating people over the head with a Bible, just being in the midst thereof and, and rubbing shoulders and having conversation. Um, that's how young people yeah. and myself grew deeper and deeper in Christ. And so we kind of fast forward a little bit after all the conversation and all the, you know, I mean, excuse me, all the education and things of that nature. Um, then, you know, I wake up and I'm 40 something um, and fabulous <laughs> and serving 
and you know look back like wow that was that was a lot Jesus um and there was another thing <laughs> that Portia had mentioned about the hand on the belly so I used to go to Donnie McClurkin's church on Tuesdays for bible study um mm. way out in Long Island far it was like this must be a really good mm-hmm. bible study um but no it was and Donnie McClurkin had did the same thing you know laid his hands on my stomach and I passed out and um um, and the unction of the Holy Ghost, of course, not under some some Ooh. spooky meditation. Let me clarify that. Um, <laughs> and so, and when I woke up, um, I had already received the gift speaking in tongues before, so I knew what was happening. Um, but that rivers of living water prophecy over my life has been um, flowing for from from that time forward. It's been a number of people who came in and out of my life in prophetic ways or um, prophetic relationships or just casual relationships that that word has been spoken time and time again. So I do understand that my ministry and my life and my overall being has a fluidity. There's fluidness in God in my life. And that is how I typically, you know, move and breathe in, in God and ministry. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Love that. Can you guys still yeah. hear me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So like you, Kelly, um, I knew God was real before I was saved too. And, um, I have kind of like a very raw story because I didn't grow up in the church at all. Um, I was in a, well, I would say about 17, maybe 17 or 18. um, I was in a relationship, an abusive relationship. And I guess this was probably after the time I was, that I left. It was a whole, a whole nother story. That's a whole other podcasts that I could get into but um I I was working as a makeup artist at um for Mac at that time and the funny thing is it's it's so funny how God uses people to get you closer to him to get you to him and I had a friend who she lived in Harlem and she came she originally is from California and she um we were working together and she was so what was why I was drawn to her was because she was so um on the outside she she was very like um how can I say she had this wild hair she had like makeup like just very non-traditional church (laughs) (laughs) but but, um but she had a beautiful spirit and one day she said to me she was like you want to come to my church? And I'm like, what church you go to? What do you mean? She was like, oh, you should come to my, the Bible study that I go to. Mm. And I said, and at that time I was in a lot of pain. So I was like, um, sure, I'll come with you. I'll come. So I live in Brooklyn. And so I said, you know what? Let me go. I'll just jump on the A train, get off and just go to the church. And so when I walked in, she, we sat, we sat in the, like in the middle, in the middle row and the first sermon that I heard, no, it wasn't a sermon. It was the Bible study. I walked in because I said, God, is and look at me. I'm not even saved yet. I'm saying, God, is this for me? Is this a place where you want me to be? And then um, the first, the lesson was about love. And it was about, and it was about, she, and I, and I asked, God, bring me somewhere where they, where they speak in real. I don't want to hear all this extra fluffy stuff. I mm-hmm. want, you know, because when you're not saved, you get really to the point. You're like, I don't want all this fluffy stuff. I just want to hear what I need to hear. Yeah. And so when I walked inside, the woman was saying that, and I can't remember her name, but she was saying, you know, I don't know, you know, God had to teach me how to love because I don't love. Matter of fact, I can't stand people sometimes. And I said, what? What? 
but I was drawn to it because she kept it so real that I was like, wow, I want to really sit here and listen to what she got mm-hmm. to say. And I still didn't go to church. I stepped, I kept coming every Wednesday to Bible <laughs> study. And so I said, you know what? And then someone said, why you don't come on Sunday? And I said, I don't, I don't know. I'm just enjoying this part right now. I'm going to come. No, matter of fact, I got, I walked up, because you know, at the end of um, the, the Sunday school, I mean, not Sunday school, the Bible study, they do the call to call to worship. And I, I got saved right there. And so um, mm. then I continued to come to church and then I started coming on Sundays. And then I've been going there for, I would say, mm, maybe a good three years. And then I was always drawn to um, education. So I said, you know what? I want to, I think I want to teach, but I just said that I didn't, I just said it, but I didn't, you know, you know how you say stuff, but you like, <laughs> you like you say it yeah. and then you're not sure if that's really what you want, but the desire was always in me. So then mm-hmm. one day I looked at the program and then it says calling all new Sunday school teachers, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, you know what? Let me, let me register. And before you know it, it was like, oh, come in, come in, come in, come in. And that, that was the end of the story. And then I just started learning and I just said, you know what? I really like this. And I didn't know where they actually mean you, Kelly, you, we uh, was under each other. We, I, I came into your class. I remember mm-hmm. that was like my first day. And um, once I sat there and I was observing, I said, you know what? I love this. These kids, mm. these kids are smart. Um, they are, and when I say smart, just even if they didn't say anything, they were smart because they were just by the, the body language and what they agreed to and certain things that they said, it was just like, okay, they really want a deep word, but they just, sometimes mm-hmm. they don't know how to express that. And so, um, wow. my whole thing was, I was mainly about, let me get to know who they are. And this is all instinct. This is, this is not even me really going through intense training this is just me really yeah. just having a knack for um, understanding people's personalities and mm-hmm. the, just the, just, and plus you remember I've been through a lot of pain myself. So I was able to like really empathize with them. And so now um, I would say, you know, still I'm like, God, is this for me? Is this for me? Listen, I've been doing this forever, not getting paid. Don't care to be paid. None of that. As far as, as far as that's concerned. Um, I'm in the beauty industry, so I see a lot of, you know, both sides, meaning the superficial side and then the substance side and what people are missing. And so I love the blend between the two because a lot of, especially a lot of young women, they are running to, you know, they do, all they do is selfies and think that they get the validation from the outside when I'm really trying to explain to them, this is not what you're looking for. You think that's what you're looking right. for, but this is not what you're looking for. Yeah. So right. um, once they understand, and a lot of people, they are attracted to, like when I wear all this pop and makeup and all this kind of stuff, but when they really get to know what I'm really about, then the relationship is cemented because they're like, I didn't even think that you held all of this inside of you. And so remember Jesse in class, we used to always get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> yeah. And I and, and then I and, and I would say, you know, is this safe for me to say? But God was like, why do you think I put you here? Why do you think I mm-hmm. put you here? This yeah. is, I put you here because this is what I want you to talk about, to discuss, mm-hmm. and to bring to the surface. So really, my story came through someone that I didn't think was going to church either, because she did not look, she didn't look it on the outside. Mm. 
And so that's why I say you can never judge a book by its cover because mm-hmm. my whole story was not even predicted at all. <laughs> at all. And so that's that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. It's, um, I guess like in regards to these stories, you know, you can just see the um the effectiveness of being transparent, you know, like and and how a lot of young people, you know, they respond to, like y'all said, they respond to people being open, showing um, their humanity, mm-hmm. you know, um, giving them something to relate to. Um, Afia, you said something very profound. You said you would have never guessed that she was in church, but she had a beautiful right. spirit. Um, and, you know, that, you know, that reminded me a lot about, uh, you know, some thoughts that I had, you know, a lot of people, you know, they may, you know, they may look the part, but um, there's no demonstration of the power or the love of God. Um, But on the outside, it looks great. Um, So it's just, it's just very, very important to be transparent in this aspect when it comes to reaching young people. Um, So I would ask y'all, you know, what do y'all feel as a young person that y'all missed in regards to church ministry? Um, you know, what were y'all struggles? What did y'all look and see and wish, you know, that y'all had when y'all reflect? You know, I'm I'm thinking on that. Um yeah, I'm thinking on that. Um and I don't want to talk pre too prematurely. So um if there's another who's who's okay. ready, I think I'll yeah. say it. Um for me, because I didn't grow up in the church, but I would visit different churches or uh, even when I was in, even when I did start coming to church, the thing for me was more um, if I if I said something that did, wasn't too churchy or whatever, people wouldn't. Um, I didn't see the vulnerability. That's what I want to say. I didn't see the mm. vulnerability, and I didn't see um, in certain not not in everything, not in everyone and everything. But I'm just saying, certain churches that I visited, it was like real issues. Was this some real issues was to stay outside and not inside? But I'm like, if this is the church where we're supposed to be getting that understanding, you can't tell me don't do something, and then I don't know why I'm not doing it. Why I don't? Why I shouldn't be doing it? I need you to tell me why. If you say you shouldn't have, you know, sex until you're married, don't just say that. Tell me, tell me the consequences. Tell me why. Tell me what's the going solution. on. Why should I save it? Why should I hold it? Why? Why? And so um, I think that the why of 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 the ex of not um, the why to why we shouldn't do things is not really talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I mm-hmm. think is missing. And so you're expected mm. to say you're expected to just not do without. Um, really being told or or like the person that's telling you is not even being vulnerable with you or not even giving you explanations it's like yeah. wait a minute and then i see you act a different way but you told me not to do this but why you do you know so that you, part you, you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah. so don't tell me and then it's almost yeah. like you can have and bear in a, a, a whole can of bear in the refrigerator and say don't drink it wait a minute right <laughs> yeah and it's like, damn, people get shamed for not following through on the command right. that they were given, right. but they don't have, you know, any reasoning or anything that is leading them to turn away from this desire that they had. Right. And it's okay. And another thing too, which we used to talk about, Jesse, when I used to tell you, tell you guys in class, it's okay to feel exactly what you're feeling. It's okay to feel mm-hmm. exactly what you're feeling. You need to identify it, identify what yeah. it is that you're feeling 
and then we can go to the Word of God and see what it says about it. You, you don't you don't um, hide your feelings because that's the problem now. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate what you said, what you shared, Afia, and it kind of also helped me gain a better sense of what I'm trying to articulate, right. um, which is why I was like, I need to like <laughs> gather my right. Words. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, if I'm really honest, like you, re- you named something for me, like in and out of church ministry. I think we we miss mm. as children of the vulnerability and the transparency of conversation Mm -hmm. and like people like so think about like youth groups right people expect us to open up when we were young but didn't want to open up with us about what they were going through and so I I I wonder sometimes when youth leadership happens in churches if we're doing young people a disservice when we don't open up and be vulnerable right Right. back Mm -hmm. and so that's Mm -hmm. something that I really feel like that I missed Mm -hmm. um and in addition to that um I also think I miss growing up with church ministry is an integration of intergenerational ministry. Mm -hmm. So not just like youth things on youth Sunday or just on youth annual days, but like throughout the year. So it's like, if we are the church, why can't we reflect the church? Jesus said, let the children come to me. So why aren't the children doing the call of worship on first Sunday? Why aren't uh, children... Uh, singing in the mass choir like you know it's like why does it have to just be like oh it's story time it's the it's the youth story like here it is like here and then they perform for us right right? as a child I always kind of felt like my worship as a child was performative and not necessarily authentic because I had the space to exercise that so yeah that's what I wanted to say (laughs) thank you (laughs) oh this is getting good thanks for that um from did we lose somebody? I think we lost Sophia. Okay. Um, we'll come back. Um, so I for me, um, I I just always thought that um I didn't traditionally grow up in, in youth activities in convent. So um my grandmother, she took us to church, but she didn't necessarily let us out of her sight. When I say us, I mean me and my two cousins, because you know, we were rambunctious, so we'd be the probably burn the church down <laughs> or something. She'd look around and church be, you know, ashes. So we didn't do too many things in um in in youth ministry, like in church mm-hmm. context. Um and so my development probably, my engagement probably um, with the reflections of what church was, was coming from being like kind of just coming to church and not being a part of church ministry and coming to be a part of church ministry at 18 and seeing all the things that what I would call back in the good boogie down um, and, and that would be the Bronx of a lot of shade and, um, and just um, mm-hmm. fakeness. And so I remember there's a minister now, um, Reverend Rakitala, that was every Sunday talking me out of beating somebody <laughs> up on Sunday um, because it was just so fake. And I and I remember feeling like, well, this is not how we handle it in the Bronx. Like, this is not how we handle it. You know what I mean? When you have a problem with someone, you have an issue with someone, you just go to them and you just say it. But I heard a lot of conversations and things that was like, what is this foolishness here? <laughs> um, and there was a level of loyalty and morality because um, also when I was a young person, I was in a gang. So there was a level of loyalty and morality that was in gang life that wasn't present in church. That was confusing um, because we say wow. this is a church and this is what, you know, and I knew Christ before. So it was just real weird and how people were displaying being quote unquote mm-hmm. Christian. 
um, and and but not having no loyalties. And so the culture in the boogie down is um, loyalty and friends is the family and, you know, you ride or die for yours and that kind of thing. So I came into church with that mentality, but I didn't see that mentality and so I began to just kind of separate off and and, you know and I made friends here and there very good friends um over the course of years at you know growing up in the in the in the ministry but specifically I guess by the time I got to youth ministry I felt more at home I felt like well at least young people know how to keep it 100 (laughs) now let me say you know Deacon Dorothy Bryan and Deacon Catherine Coleman they were our uh, our youth leaders and youth supervisors at the time. And Aunt Dot, Deacon Dorothy Bryan, she still keep it 100. <laughs> she will. She will lay all her stuff bare in the church. Um, and that was much appreciated. But we only had a few people like that. We only had a few people that we could talk to that, I guess, I guess maybe they weren't afraid of being judged. I mean, I know what that is on this side of it. But I'm talking about when I was in it on that side of it. So I think that um, what youth ministry tried to create um, when I was more active in it, under Cynthia Weasel is is that transparency and that and that loyalty and that um and that engagement that you know you can come and come to um you know the Pearson Youth Center and and just chill and have conversation and then not be you know yeah 348 and not be um under any microscope or when you left not feel some kind of way and that wasn't just for the young people that was for the adults as well mm-hmm. um because sometimes we would be there fellowship and have conversation too outside of young people and vice versa so the things that i thought that were missing in the adult church I think we tried to cultivate in the, in, in the children's church or the youth church or, or in our relationships with young people. Um, I, I yeah. still, to this day, I don't really have the time for shade and foolishness and mm-hmm. fakeness. I do, it takes a lot right. of energy for me. I just rather mm-hmm. not mess with you at all. Like right. I just, we just, I just rather not mm-hmm. um, because I have like 1500 million ministry jobs, like a Jamaican. I don't have time <laughs> for the foolishness. <laughs> um, and so I need to be, you know, well grounded and things like that. Right. And so my, my frustration with that still exists with adults. Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel more at home with young people right. than I do with adults. Um, yeah. wow. Young people mm-hmm. keep it absolutely positively 100. Right. You know, on occasion, if I feel like Dr. Gina said on a good Sunday week before last, Dr. Gina Stewart, she said, sometime I just felt like I could still cuss and holler. Actually, she said it yesterday too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, I could still cuss and holler. And I can cuss and holler around my young people and they won't be looking at me with the with the side eye. Right. Right. Because the frustrations yeah. of life and racial tensions. I swear if I see one more black person lose their life, I'm gonna really cuss right. and holler. Like on out on Facebook Live or something. Right. And they're gonna be like, Oh, minister gone wild. I'm like, you can just you can suck it because I can't take it. You know right. what I'm saying? Like I, I just can't. I right. don't have the time because people, what I learned in that time frame oh, with young people and the transparency is y'all in here having these stupid church yeah. meetings and all this long stuff and people out here dying. Right. Like y'all Hello. lying about yeah. the lights and the, the, the refrigerator or whatever, the baptism pool yeah. and folks out here dying. I don't have time. Right. Hello. I, I don't have yeah. time for it. Right. So y'all can do the form and yeah. fashion and the big hats and all the parade of foolishness because that's not mm. that's not worship. That is a form of traditionalism church and I and don't get me wrong, Stephen Cobb comes to my mind. Stephen Cobb wanted us to do it everything that Yo, he was a youth leader. But Stephen wanted to do with every every specialty Sunday there was in the church. He wanted to get rid of Women's Day, Men's Day, Children's Day. He wanted to get rid of them all. 
And at first, I was like, Stephen, why? You know, it teaches kids something. To do. He's like, it don't do nothing but cause confusion. Right. They should be integrated. Like, the kids should be integrated mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. every aspect. So when Portia say, it shouldn't just be, like, story time, yeah. right? The children yeah. and youths and adults should be leading worship collectively together every Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's right. Every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Intergenerational ministry. So that way we can teach each other respect and we can have relationships. And so I didn't see those things. And, and honestly, I, I still don't on some days. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see the transparency that saved lives because right. that's what we need. Right. Right. Wow. That's, um, you know, I was, you know, when you guys were saying stuff, I just started thinking about Jesus and how, like, you know, when he would walk in ministry, he wouldn't make himself of no reputation. Right. Um, like he wouldn't sit here and try to hide something up, you know, um, and he was very right. humble, very open with the people, and he loved right. everybody. Um, and he didn't love based off of what right. he saw, but he loved based off of who people were, you know, um, with to reach these young people, to, to reach us, you know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta, you gotta see, you gotta see who we can right. become. Um, and I remember I was listening to this pastor, and he was like, if you're not willing to invest in what somebody would become, then don't criticize who right. they are that's now. Right. Um, I think that's you fair. know, like I, yeah, like even then, somebody was talking about how they were pastoring this woman who was in the club. You know, what I'm saying she had on this high mm-hmm. tight dress. Um, everything <laughs> was showing, you know, thighs and whatnot. And you know, her uh, his his members were like, oh, uh, a demon came in trying to distract you. Oh with her Lord, thighs, have mercy! All this type of, Why are the women's thighs always demanding? Right. Well, you know, like. I, <laughs> and he was like and he was like well i mean y'all got all this discernment you know did, did the holy spirit give you a word to go take her right. shopping and buy her clothes um right. so you know it's just uh it's just very interesting and when i see you know and reverend portia like i said earlier um i haven't really known you that long but i'm pretty sure you could attest to this as mm-hmm. well but when i watch when i watch you know afia and uh, uh reverend farrell's ministry um, they are effective. These young people pay attention to them. Um, like, you know, with Afia, she teaches with authority. You know, um, she, like these people listen to her. She has their undivided attention. She speaks. It's like she's not talking at us. She's speaking to us. She goes in, you know, recognizing that not everybody may know, you know, the history of the Bible. Not everybody may, may know, you know, all the stories of the Apostle Paul and his writings or, you know, where everything, you know, and, and uh, you know, Reverend, Reverend Farrell, you know, she was just telling me, you know, we talk on the phone sometimes and like how, you know, people always go back reaching out to her. And, you know, that showed me that when somebody leaves and they decide to reach back out, it's because that person uh, made it known to them that they yeah. care, that they were invested, that that person was a priority. Um and so it's it it just shows like the more you invest, the more you will get a return mm-hmm. um, on your investment. And um, Jeff, you know, Jesse, could, I was just gonna cut in real up? quick what you said about the um, because you guys know with youth, sometimes you don't know where to, where if you're effective or not. Sometimes because sometimes they have this game face on where they don't they they won't because <laughs> sometimes I would leave the class and like, well, did they get what I said or was I too you know was I too much or too this. So when I have conversations with them or when I would not teach or they say, oh, Afia, are you teaching today? Are you teaching today? That's how I would know through like side conversations or stuff like that. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so 
I wouldn't, I just was being obedient, you know, and it, it's funny how God will be, will give you and show you glimpses of things just to say, you know what, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's nothing that would stop me from teaching the youth. Like you said, I would stay with, with of the youth any day just because they are so keep it a hundred percent real. If they, if they don't feel good today, I'm not feeling good today. What do we like? What do we do? I would rather that than you pretend that you're all good. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I just said something yeah. else in regard to so we we so you know Portia when he said about the man with the the you know and talking about the one with the demonic thighs you know uh-huh. my whole womanist flag um called fire it went all the way up. <laughs> yeah right um because there's an aspect of ministry today and moving forward that we have to teach balance in sexual and sensual appearances of women mm-hmm. specifically um, the black woman's body is always problematized. And it's always problematized in the church. Mm-hmm. And so she needs to wear a lap scarf. I rebuke lap scarves in the name of Jesus. Like she always has to cover her legs or she's going to she's gonna tempt the man or some sort of Jezebel t- typology foolery um, that will make a brother fall down because he's seen the back of her knees. And we keep perpetuating that over black women's bodies and it needs to be readdressed and it needs to be it needs to be redefined so i have you know a friend of mine yesterday um he preached rahab and i'm gonna holler at him today um because i was disappointed in how he portrayed rahab i am tired of biblical Mm. narratives such as rahab still being classified as prostitute i need for them i need for the narrative all the narratives to be explained, right? And so because Jewish Old Testament scholars, rabbis, don't classify her as a prostitute. Mm. And so we keep putting that. And so Rahab is a black woman and she's in the Bible. And we don't say that could have been her story, right? But we always say she ran a whorehouse, but we don't never Mm -hmm. say she ran an inn, right? We don't never classify her as businesswoman or Rahab the hero, which I have changed her to. Mm -hmm. She is still Rahab the harlot and Rahab the prostitute, which gives people's license to then problematize our thighs. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of tired Mm -hmm. of that, Mm -hmm. right? So I used to have the young boys in youth ministry, this is before Jess was in youth ministry, come to me and talk to me about I need to talk to the girls because they fast and this mm-hmm. that and next and and I said well what are you doing how do you know they fast right, right? because if she a hoe mm. then so right. you a hoe too right because my grandmama told me if you get down with a hoe you get up with one right and on. so that's not you can't come to me talking about she fast or how you know she fast and why do I have to talk to her mm-hmm. how about I talk to you mm-hmm. where are you sticking your penis right. like what you doing mm-hmm. because you can catch the well. same crap she can catch if you're not careful right. but how about this how come about on. we have like Portia said an intergenerational and intergender conversation so the mm-hmm. women can Understood. hear what y'all think right. and they can and you can hear what they think and she's not fast because she likes sex right that is another typology that's not that needs to be redesigned right mm-hmm. because women Hello. are we get to be adult women like my age and then oh we we are afraid about sexuality our sexuality is a problem because back then we were told we were fast right. it's okay for the boys to experience and and you know and kind of I don't know, test out their hormonal changes, but the women are fast. Yeah. No, we're, we're not yeah. fast. We have the same hormonal changes mm-hmm. that y'all have, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we need to have 
conversations about sex. So mm-hmm. Afia said that there wasn't any conversation or there wasn't any kind of engagement in certain areas. Well, how can we, and then we tell people not to do stuff. Right. So how can we tell yes. men, women, and children not to have sex, mm-hmm. but we ain't talking about sex right. in the black church. We Hello. can tell them not to do something. When you send them off to college, you send them off with a pack of condoms and no information. Right. Hello. And then they come back here. So uh, I told all of my boys, I used to mentor, let me be really clear. We've had sex talk in here. Mm-hmm. If you come back here and anybody got a baby, I'm going to snatch all your penises <laughs> off. Like, that's not even going to be a problem. I didn't send you to school. Listen here, like your mama. I didn't send you to school to get an education. And don't come back here with no knocked up white girl. Right. Because she's not going to take you back to her daddy house, right? Because you're exotic because you're a young black boy. Like, right. those are the conversations we right. need to have. So when they right. get on these diverse campuses right. and these blue-eyed women and like, oh, you so handsome. He handsome because he's black and he been handsome because he's right. been black. Right. But what's not going to happen, <laughs> what we're not going to do, is you going to now problematize a young black man's body either right. because of the ty- typology portrait of the big black buck and all this mm-hmm. other kind of stuff that stereotypically mm-hmm. in historical slavery conversation now puts him in an exotic nature and he don't even know no better because we haven't had the conversation. Right. And so we got to be, we got to change all the narratives and all the conversations and all of that and stop putting doilies on people's heads. Child, don't give me no darn doily. (laughs) Putting doilies on people's heads and lap crossing on people's thighs and, 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 and covering up to your neck, to your ankles. Mm -hmm. And we're not having a conversation about sex and sexuality because that's problematic. I'll push it further, Kelly. And even if someone does, um, come back home pregnant or get someone pregnant, then we got to have a conversation about how um, we need to be able to embrace people's choices. How about that? And, and we need to be able to have conversations about choice. Yes. And we need to be able to have conversations about responsibility right. and it, whether or not you want to keep this child right. or not. And, and understanding conversations around bodies, right? right? Before we could even like get that far down, around bodies. we've got to have conversations about bodies, right? right. We we don't. We talk about the body of Christ, but we're not willing to talk about the body of our humanity. No, and you then know, you want to sit the girl down at the choir portion when she's showing. Mm-hmm. But Hello? the dude's still playing the drums. He still got his drum major job up there in the good black church. You just sat her down from the choir. Mm-hmm. Miss me with all of that. Mm-hmm. Hello. You. I think. Um, I think the one thing is like, <sighs> Lord help us. We um, you know, I I've um, I've seen that um and. You know, I've seen the judgment um, and I think we have to, you know, as the body of Christ, we have to remember we are really no better mm-hmm. than people. That's right. Um, regardless of, you know, if this woman does, you know, get, you know, knocked, knocked up and she has a baby um, and the guy mm-hmm. as well. First off, um, if you're going to condemn her, condemn the right. man as well. Um, and then also first even well, then, better better stay to hold no each business. other accountable. Yeah, because we yeah. know no condemnation, like, but hold respectively no the young man and the young woman accountable. Yeah. yeah, there's no condemnation, but even then, it's even sad to even say that. I will say that I have heard people condemn oh, others absolutely. in the church for their actions, and it's crazy because it's like if Jesus did not come to condemn the world, what makes you think that you have right. the authority? If not even right. Jesus had the authority to condemn somebody. What makes you think? And so, like, how y'all were saying, you know, how Afia was saying, how we were being transparent, creating that atmosphere for young people um, to be open, because that was uncomfortable. It's like, 
atheists atheists look more like Christ than mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. This is like this is like this is really where we're at. Like to the point where people are literally uncomfortable. They're they're being judged right. based off of you know their appearances. Um, they're not being reached. Like these people sitting up here preaching, and ain't nobody getting right. reached. Um, preach with know, no some, reach. Like, these, preach with no reach. These young people. These young people, some of them ain't even really desiring to repent like that. Mm-hmm. It's like if you just if you just make Christianity look as if it's like you all in Candyland. Right. How can mm-hmm. they relate to you? Like where where is the form of where is the form where they could say like you remind me of this or I see this and so now I'm gonna open up um, because you're being transparent. No, like it it has to start it has to start with the people in doing right. ministry. And so, like, that's even why I did this podcast, because I felt like there's a lot of young people who are being robbed yeah. right now. You know, like I'm told, I was telling Portia, I was telling Portia on the phone, like, when I look at my life, you know what I'm saying, I gave my testimony, Um, you know, mm-hmm. I was a hoe, I did a lot of sexual stuff, you know what I'm saying, and I got free, and the mm-hmm. Lord delivered me, you know, praise the Lord. Um, And I feel like that's how it is with the saints mm-hmm. as well. But I told Portia on the phone, like, I have a Harriet Tubman mentality. And I always say that when it comes to deliverance, uh, when it comes to, you know, God filling my void, because it's like sometimes we can say, OK, I got free. I got edified and I'm going to keep it pushing with my life and my mm-hmm. walk with Christ. And, and we don't we don't turn and look at the others who are still in right. bondage. And, 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 you know, and God is like, no, no, no. Like I leave the ninety nine to go get the mm-hmm. one that mm-hmm. is lost. And, and and that I feel like that is truly, truly lacking. And, you know, it's it's even it's even worse when we sit here and we literally run away from issues because it's not even just sex. Like it's also mm-hmm. drugs like it's um, it, it's, it's anything like that. People don't want to people just don't want to touch certain issues because of how it will right. make them look, because how certain people look. And it's like people have this self-righteousness and this spirit of pride that is built up about how long they've been in the church how long they've been saved how long they know mm-hmm. jesus mm-hmm. And, and, and 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 don't even get me started about positions <laughs> and titles but like it's you know it's it's just ridiculous sometimes based off of the stuff that i've seen um and, and you know it's i it, know it jesse and I, I i so like when i'm in the classroom especially when we first enter and I have a new group of students, I always say to them after introducing myself, I'm like, why are you here? Are you here because your mother or your parents sent you here? Mm-hmm. Or are you here mm. because you really want to know the word of God? Mm. And they look at me right there for a good, I don't even know how many minutes, but I'm, I'm quiet because I pause because I'm like, I need you to, I need you to answer that question or think about that question. I said, because this is not the type of classroom where, we're just going to be sitting around and just reading through the book. Right. And then, and then now you go on back. Now you go into, you know, church after this. And so I established a lot from the, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I also know that if you're, and this is even if you're in church, if you're in church, that means there's something going on where you're being called to come to church. You don't just walk in the church. You don't just, you don't just walk in there and say, I just want to be here. Either you're there because there's something that you feel that is missing in your life. This is why I don't understand why people are so scared or have a hard time really um, uh, gravitating to like saying the truth because we're all here for a reason. There's something right. that's going on. That's yeah. why, you know, pastors get, you know, 
that's why they're called to be pastors because they know this, they understand this teachers, everything, everybody else. So for me, I cut through all of that because we don't have time for that. This is in 2020. We don't have time for any of the distractions. We don't have time to like go around, jog around the block. No, let's cut right through it. So that way we can really, because we got to build up. You know how much, you know, I think about this. Everything boils down to, you know, being rejected in some form or fashion. So if you felt rejected Mm. in some way where you may not even understand where you've, that spirit has hit you, let's start, the more you start understanding God and who he is and what he has done for you and what he wants you to be doing, you're going to start to like, really say you know what now i know why i'm here on this earth now i right. know now i understand now i'm getting it so that's why i cannot stand when things are like you said kelly when when people are talking about the refrigerator we're about this about that listen we don't got time for Ooh, that. i ain't got time for that jesus <laughs> let's get to <laughs> let's get to and this is why you know we I, I also try to teach the kids to not be afraid to um to to really lean in on what they're good at because sometimes they're like oh no i'm good at it but i don't want to let people know that i'm good at it because for whatever reason no 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 let's start developing and so this is that's one of the reasons why i think i love teaching so much because it's more about like one because i learn i learn they learn we all learn (laughs) you know what i mean and we grow inside it's about the um emotional space that i think hinders people a lot it's because mm-hmm. that's why you, you got to come at them, you know, in that space first in a practical way. And then they start understanding the spirit. Because like you said, if you hit them over the head with the Bible, what they need to know about Paul and, you know, and this and that first before you check on yeah. how they doing. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's um, it starts with the it starts right. with the being like um the inner being. And then like it changes. Like, I um, you know, I've just been hearing so many things and the Lord has really just been you know, taking me through a season where I've just been, you know, studying and looking at the grace of God. And, um, you know, I have to continuously tell myself that I am not righteous um, based off of what I do or what I look like, but simply just because of who True. I am in Christ. And, and um, you know, the, this is, this is once again, like it's the person who, the person who comes into church that is homosexual, Jesus died right. for them too. The woman who came from the club, um, who was wearing a tight dress, who got her thighs showing out, Jesus died for them too. And honestly, to be blunt with you, if you are on the pulpit and you can't focus on the word of God and not look at right. some thighs, you right. don't need to be up, up there. there. Right. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's like we... I don't know, somehow, some some way, people have become self-righteous into thinking that they are better than somebody mm-hmm. else. Um, and it's like Jesus did not come for those who were healed. He did not come for the right. good people. He came for right. sinners. These are the people, like, Jesus looks at that person as somebody who is precious, someone who is irreplaceable. Right. And the, the, the dishonor that we see like just think about this like people get people get judged already outside of the world and they come into the house of god this god that claims to be so loving and Mm -hmm. so powerful and they receive it tenfold Mm -hmm. and and it's you know it Mm -hmm. breaks my heart but this is you know this this is what young people experience and this is probably why they don't even speak up 
like, and a lot of young people are suffering yeah, in right. silence. Um, and so this, I, be, I think this is just what is on God's heart. So I honestly just wanted um, to know, ask y'all, what has, or could y'all think of a situation that occurred where like um, God gave you a revelation on how to literally reach young people completely different when it comes to any form of ministry that you guys are involved in? Mm, that's good. You know, for me, um, the way that I like to reach young people um, specifically is by finding out what they want to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like it's really that simple. Yeah. Right. If there's any grown people listening who's like, oh, I want to I'm interested in youth ministry. Oh, did I hang up. Oh, no. here I am. Oh, okay. I thought I hung up, child. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I, I feel it in my Shondo. So, Shondo. yeah, if there's anybody listening, like, who's interested in doing youth ministry, like, it's as simple as asking young people, what are you, what are you interested in and what do you want to do? See, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of times we want to press our own agenda, right. not knowing that this is not wow. what people want to learn. Oh, and wow. so I, when I first became a youth pastor, I didn't come in with my vision. Everyone's like, well, what's the vision? What's the vision? What's right, the vision? Right, right. And it's just like, um, how about we sit down collectively and we collaborate and we discern in community what God is saying to us. Right. Um, because that model of ministry for me is not this uh you know this 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 triangle or this uh you know erected model where we're uh, there's a hierarchy right mm-hmm. it's more like uh, we're we're all going to throw it in the round like we hear it in the circle together right and god is speaking to each of us and so we have to discern what that looks like and so i think uh for me the revelation was the ministry model right showing that uh, I am because we are right this Ubuntu model that we are Mm -hmm. in community Mm -hmm. that young people have a voice that they want to um, share ideas but it's my responsibility to help them um, discern what that looks like or how or provide them the resources that they can make it happen so with youth ministry is more as a leader it's more about being a guide and not showing up as like I am the leader Mm -hmm. so so, for instance, right, um, I asked them, I'm going to use a very tangible, uh, concrete example. I asked them, I said, you know, what, like, how you feeling? Um, this was back in last year. It was like, how you feeling about, um, you know, your, your, your black life, right? Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about being in, you know, in suburbia? You go, some of you go to predominantly white schools. How do you feel about that? You know, how are you feeling about microaggressions and how are you mm-hmm. feeling about racism? How are you feeling about your education? You know, how, like, what are you not learning? What are you not getting? And a lot of them were actually really interested in learning black history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I developed a curriculum um, for black like me. And I, we pre- and I presented it to them as a workshop mm-hmm. for the 400th commemoration of slavery. It's like, yeah. okay, given all of these, uh, not the 400th commemoration of slavery, but um, the commemoration of the first Africans arriving in America. That's mm. what I want to say. Um, so it's you know, 400 years since. And so instead of saying, like, let's do this black history lesson, let's do this, you mm-hmm. know, let's talk about how we were captured from our motherland and we were in the hull of a ship. It's like, actually, who are we? And let's celebrate our culture. Let's celebrate how right. we survive. Mm-hmm. Let's celebrate how we thrive. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we did Black Like Me, it was a celebration of 
uh, black art, mm-hmm. but it was also a celebration of all of us being artists and understanding that we have something to say. And so, so what is the black art that you want to put into the world? Mm. Um, and they, they came out with poems. They came out with diagrams. They came out with speeches, like they, the things that they came out with about trying to reimagine their world was powerful. Mm-hmm. And then you can't stop there. You have to follow up and say, now let me give you the tools to implement so that you can then uh, mm-hmm. institute the world that you just imagined. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that's important to give young people the lead, give them the reins, mm-hmm. 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 let them lead. Yeah. They got something to say. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, I, th- I follow the same, the same model. It's Porsche. I've asked young people, um, what they want. I wanted to hear their voices. Um, and then I would somehow, I used to call myself the union rep in youth <laughs> ministry because I would be delegating between, you know, the, 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 the adult voices and the, and the young people voices. And I actually liked the young people voices better because it was richer. It wasn't tainted by um, disdain and frustration of life. And so they still had optimism. They still had hope. They still had, um, they still believed. Whereas sometimes as you get older and things happen, your faith, your belief, your, your hope kind of w- wanes a little bit. Um, your optimism, you don't see all the possibilities that it could be because life has informed you differently. Um, and so, yeah, it was always important and it still is um, to just hear what they have to say, what young people have to say, and and then and then all the other part of that I would do for my young people in particular is just make sure that they got it. Like if they wanted something and and it was it was reasonable and reasonable being it didn't kill nobody, you know, because it could be a little different and stuff like that. Um, that they got what they wanted, so that they know that they were heard, and that 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 further validated their voices. Definitely, I'd say I'm I'm gonna agree with both of y'all because it's, it's it's to me there would be days I would come in to teach and you know we already have the the curriculum that's already set for us but there would be days where I'm like we're not gonna do this today <laughs> we're not we're not gonna we're gonna focus on or we would read it we would read the scripture we would read the story we would read everything but I would I wouldn't follow it exactly how mm. it, how it was um, outlined because for me it was about Let's discuss how, like, let's discuss how, how we should go about the day, meaning like go about this class. How do you think, what do you, what would you like to know today? And sometimes I literally would come in and like survey them because for me and other, my other co-teachers would be like, they would be like, why are we doing this? Or why are we doing that? And I'm like, well, do you know what it is? Do you know what they're going through right now? Mm-hmm. Because my style, mm-hmm. my conversational discussion style was not it was very different from some of the other teachers that I worked with and so it was more so like no we have to read this we have to read that we have to read this we have to do that and then after that we have to answer these questions and the the kids knew wow how predictable everything was to the point where they would check out wow and I could not I couldn't take it I couldn't take it I'm like no I'm not first of all I'm coming all the way from Brooklyn I'm preparing I'm doing this I'm doing that no, and I know that I don't need them to just be sitting there just knowing all they got to do is look at the page before to find the answer. No, we we need to talk about... So I would literally create my own questions from the story. Like, I would change some questions around, but I was getting very creative because I was like, you know what? I want to pull and draw out more from them that I know that's in them, you know? So um, I think yeah. for me, um, just following the Holy Spirit's lead 
and really saying, you know, God, what, what, what topic or what do they need to know? And sometimes, you know, you would ask them and they would sometimes say, oh, it don't matter or this or that. And some, some, some of the kids would be very direct mm-hmm. and say exactly what they wanted to do. So I would had a way of just like marrying, you know, the lesson and their needs and, you know, trying to make everyone, you know, not, you know, make everyone, mostly everyone satisfied. And so definitely going straight in and saying, you know, what, what would you guys like to know? And some other people would be like, it's not what they want to know. It's what we have lined up for them. What? No, <laughs> it doesn't right. work. It shouldn't work like that. So that's, yeah. I would definitely say, yes, finding out what they are interested in, what they want to do. And like you said, let them lead as long as it's in a respectable manner. And, you know, they're doing it in a way where it's not offend- like hurting anybody. Why not? Right. Yeah, and you know, I uh, I peeped that you were about to say the word yes. offend, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, with that, you know, it's once again, you know, even this podcast, and we don't either, um, and I don't really care, but um, right, no, right, no, because right. because this is because it's a real issue. There are young people to right. dealing with this. There's people who are offended just the fact that young people say that they're called to ministry already. And it's like, how, how do you know? What? I'm right, sorry. Right. Are you God? Who are you to sit right. here and say, you know, so there, you know, there's, there's a huge, you know, there is a dishonor. Um, there's a wave of dishonor when it comes to young people, especially mm-hmm. in the traditional church, um, you know, based off of, you know, how long you've been there. I don't care how long you've been in church. It right. don't mean, you know, right. Jesus. Um, so at the end of the day, um, it's really about, you know, the hand of God on mm-hmm. that person's life. And so, you know, when it comes to offense, like when it comes to being young, people going to get offended anyway, because they're like, this person is young. They ain't been here this long and they got all this nerve to sit here and be blunt mm-hmm. and transparent. They think that their voice could be heard and speak out. And honestly, that's probably why, you know, a lot of young people, when you guys ask them, a lot of people or some people, they may be blunt and open and say, like, hey, this is what I desire. And then others may, you know, freeze because mm-hmm. they're like, mm-hmm. I've never had this. My mm-hmm. opinion never mattered. I was never I was never asked on what I desired. And so now that you have asked me, you have finally opened up a door that has never mm-hmm. been opened in my life. Mm-hmm. Now I need to think. Um, but, you know, that's a start. And, and that that's where it starts. And it could it could grow, but it just it it just shows them that you are invested, that you care about their future, and that's really all that it is. And that's what it will take to get them to experience the true knowledge and the love of God. Um that that you know he desires each and every one of his children to um can I ask you receive. a question just really quickly, um Jesse? So what do you feel like um is the major thing that you see in the youth that are that's that a good question for? Um, I would say, Afia, to keep it a band with you, I think the youth are hungry for God. And when I say that, I mean, like, voids being filled. I think the youth are trying to fill every single void um, in their life with everything that the world Mm -hmm. is offering, um, Mm -hmm. but not with God. And I see them suffering. Um, I see it all on Instagram. That's why I'm trying to be active on Instagram and social media because, you know, God has been showing me as Christians, especially as young Christians, I need to be taking Mm -hmm. social media over. 
Um, I need to post something so that somebody mm -hmm. can be edified. And I think a lot of young people are in bondage to things. Everybody's mm -hmm. struggle is different, but I think they're, they're, they're trying to fill a void. They're trying to belong to something. They're trying to reach <laughs> for acceptance in something that they can mm -hmm. never find it in. Um, and so I, I, I see it because they're continuously pouring, they're pouring yeah. out everything they can into whatever it is that they're using to fill their void, but it will never be filled because right. you know, it's yeah. not God. Um, so, so that's, that's what mm -hmm. I, that's what I've seen. Um, and it could be other things too, but that's the most prevalent I've seen. That's the most prevalent thing I've seen when it comes to, you know, watching young people and seeing them, okay. especially in college, you know, um, people want to do all these things and it's like, wow, you know, and somebody who been, has been delivered from a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. I could just see and know that's why I would act mm -hmm. the way that I do, you know, <clears throat> um, you know, people, people want sex and drugs right. just because they want to feel good. Right. They want, they want a high, they want, mm -hmm. they want an experience. Um, but the thing is they have to keep right. going back. Um, they have to continuously go back to that. And with God, he will mm -hmm. fill you up and, and, and he will accept you. Right. That's another thing. Acceptance. Like they've been rejected by the church. Some of them mm -hmm. rejected by their families, rejected by people who so-called mm -hmm. called them friends, you know, rejected by people who did not ask for their opinion. So they don't right. feel validated anyway. So it's like, mm -hmm. that, and that's why they leave. Um, because it's like, y'all ain't, ain't going to right. make time for me know how. Um, what's the point right. whether if I stay or if I leave? You know, if my opinion is not valuable, if my say is not valuable, if it's about time and who's been here the longest, then what I got right. to be here for? Um, so that, that's, that's the type of stuff that I've seen when it comes to young people. And I know that they're struggling with it. And this is why I wanted to make this podcast to let them know, like, mm -hmm. hey, we hear y'all. And not only that, but I believe each and every one of us, we're not just sitting here talking, right. but we're all involved. We're doing something. We're putting this to action. Um, but this is just to encourage the young people, you know what I'm saying, that if you're out here and you're listening uh, to this, I I'm praying for y'all. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Afia, mm -hmm. Kelly, and mm -hmm. Portia are as well, that they're praying for young yeah. people all around the nation, um, praying that, you know, God will make himself known to you um, through people in your life, that you, that you would be right. shown that you matter, that you would be shown that you are powerful, that God uses you, yeah. God has called you. Um, and, you know, don't ever let anybody who is older than you, who has a title, sit right. here and say that he did it. Um, you know, so that's my that's my take on it. So, um, yeah. So if y'all had do y'all have any other words of wisdom for the people uh, before we get off of this? Um, I would say. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I just I, I just want to encourage um Generation Z and Alpha Generation, which is generation behind the millennials, which is Jesse's generation and generation after, um, which would be the generation after Jesse, but like my eight-year-old niece, um, the wonderful Leanna Angela Davis, who's going to lead her own revolution in her own way. Um, and so I just want to encourage them that they do have voice. And remember that Jeremiah, the prophet, was around 14. And a lot of biblical prophets and 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 persons uh, that right. did great That's things right. for God were really young people. Mm -hmm. um, Mary is considered to be 14 or 15 years old and when she gave birth to the Messiah. So God does believe in young people. And just like um, in, in womanism, we talk about how the, the woman's voice is left out um, of Bible. I also hear 
my colleague Reverend Shaq saying that the young people's voices are left out um, because we don't never really talk about the demographic and the, the ages and, and, and the regions in which um, our Bible leaders come from. And all of that stuff is important because when a young person hear that Jeremiah as a prophet was a young person, they can know and believe that they're a young person. And then you maybe will get less of the old people talking about, are you sure? Well, are you sure Jeremiah did what he did or Isaiah did what he did? Um, and so mm-hmm. or Deborah being a judge over Israel um, as a young woman. And yeah. so, you know, not everybody was Moses and Abraham and lived to five and six hundred years old. Um, and, and if they did, that's great. But it just the Bible shows us that um, the community of black voices are heard intergenerationally um, as as well as in interculturally like it's not just one thing and so I would like to make sure that the young people in these particular younger generations are encouraged that they can lead the revolution and it will not be televised um, but maybe it will be on like Facebook and stuff like that or rather it will be because maybe television now is going to go to a different platform that's just me being kind of my age showing because yeah um <laughs> but that they do have the power within themselves and, and and within the collective as they partner together um to change and do different things i heard about a lot of protests these last 10 days that were organized by um generation z and alpha generation and they and they came off really really powerfully so just so that the young people know that um those of us who are a little older um, are supporting them and are praying for them. Um, but heck, even if we're not, that you still have power in your voices and in your bodies and to use that. Love that. Love that so much. Um, I just want to say um, to not be afraid to stand in God. Do not be afraid to stand in God. Even if people, even if you're by yourself, don't worry about the offense or pushback. Because if it is deep down inside you and you feel like you need to say it, I'm pretty sure that there are other people that need to hear it as well. So Mm. just continue to be courageous and understand that that fear or anything that you're feeling is that's a spirit from the enemy. That is not from God. (laughs) Any type of fear that you have is not from God. So I would say just, you know, because a lot of the times you think, well, I'm, I'm like you said, I am young. I am this. I'm that. And how they, they won't listen to me and they want this and they want that. You know what? Is If it's not being done, maybe it is for you to be doing it. So don't, you know, just find people that are willing to, you know, that will support you and people will see you. People will see when you're trying to do a good thing and God will always send the people that you need in your path to lead and to get you to the next to the next level. So if I have one thing to say is to, to fear not. <laughs> and I would add um, to co-sign what Amen. my sisters have shared um, to also, you know, you matter, right? Like you matter. And I know mm-hmm. you, we keep hearing, you know, Black Lives Matter and we keep hearing all of that, right? And people are starting to feel like it's a little cliche, but no, really, like you do matter. Um, I think we've got to prioritize the voices of young people to let them know that they matter. Um, When the black church specifically um, and the church universal realizes that Christ put a priority on children. um, I think that we can shift how ministry happens. So I want to just encourage young people to know that your voice matters. You matter to God. Um, God loves you. God sees you and you were born 
because you have something to say and and to be emboldened in that and to not let anyone mm-hmm. dim down your light you know um paul says to timothy you know don't let anybody look down mm-hmm. on you because you are young you know literally and you right. are the example that we Amen. need you all remind us to be patient to act in love to be kind to be just you all are the reminders of that and so um i say yeah you know you matter speak up and and go mm-hmm. forth in that power yeah mm-hmm. love it mm-hmm. that's fire that's great well um do y'all mind if I put y'all like Instagrams like in the like in the um no, fine. summary yeah. of this podcast so that way people could reach y'all if they have any questions mm-hmm. or no, that's fine. No, speak to y'all that's or something. Uh, okay, that's what's mm-hmm. up. That's what's up. Well, I appreciate all <laughs> of y'all, all three of y'all, for joining your boy talking about the issues of young people and reaching them effectively. Um Thank y'all. Honestly, I really appreciate it. And with that being said, we are out. Have a great day. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you, Jess, for the invitation. Yes. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. What up, y'all? I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you who has tuned into the Christ Convo podcast today. Stay tuned for the next episode because I will be back. Be blessed.